Hey, have you ever wanted to create your own podcast and share your own light bulb moments with the world? If so, now is the perfect time to do so because audio is the future of the internet and Anchor is a perfect place to do it. So Anchor is a podcasting platform you can find at anchor.fm and it's what we use to create the Lightbulb Moment podcast. So Anchor is amazing because first of all, it's completely free to use. Yep, completely free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. So I've used Anchor to record with other guests on a mobile app, and you can also edit on your computer. And Anchor will distribute your podcast for you across so many platforms. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the other major podcast streaming sites. So you don't have to set up individual accounts and try to distribute to all of those places. And you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum subscribers needed. And it's basically everything you need to record, edit, and publish your podcast in one place all for free. So I highly encourage you to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good luck. Hi there, my name is Ganika Pinham. And I'm Farika Pinham. We're sisters and the co-founders of Ida. If you're an entrepreneur or a new and upcoming brand, discover customer and audience insights about your product niche at thinkida.com because we are where your customers are. As founders of Ida, we've immersed ourselves in the startup world and become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship. We've learned a lot along the way and still are. And now we want to share that with you, our listeners. Whether you're already a savvy business owner, just getting started, or an aspiring entrepreneur, you are in the right place. Join us as we journey through the ahas, the oh no's, the why me's, the ups and downs, and those serendipitous moments when something clicks and it all falls into place. Welcome to the Lightbulb Moment Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Lightbulb Moment Podcast. This is Varika, and I wanted to do a solo episode today, and the concept of this episode, and I think I'm going to title it, Money Doesn't Make You Happy, But Being Happy Makes You Money. And the reason for that, I will get to towards the end of the episode, but this is really about a sales job that I did a few years ago um, and kind of what it taught me and my experience um, doing this position and all of that. So basically, you know, if you read the description as well, um, this was a position that I was doing as an internship and, you know, it was 70 to 80 hour weeks and very toxic environment, um, harassment, and also led to severe anxiety as well. So uh, I'm going to talk about that also, you know, kind of like the lessons that I took away from it. And this is not a story that I've really like told or shared mostly because it's not super relevant right now, but I was thinking about it recently because I think sometimes early in career, it is equally as important to figure out what you don't want um, as much as what it is that you do want. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of literature out there, a lot of books, podcasts, blogs about finding your life purpose, finding what you're meant to do, finding things you're passionate about and that you love to do. And I think a lot of people are on that journey. Um, But along that journey, it's really important also to figure out what it is that you don't want and to try the things that you think you want. And if they end up not being for you, that's okay. And to accept that and move on. 
um, especially recently also because well, that was a lot of words. <laughs> so especially because um, I have been thinking about career modes recently um, after listening to a talk um, about career modes and how you come about building them. And the talk was by Eric Torenberg, and he's part of On Deck, and which is a community of fellowships and networks and all of that. So he was talking about career modes and how career modes are built in hindsight. So when you're in the thick of it, right, you don't really know if this is your career mode. You don't really know if this is your thing, the thing that you're going to be good at. And it's, you know, maybe after 10, 15, 20 years of work, you look back and you see this overarching pattern, right? You see this theme to all the work that you've done and everything that's connected it together. And that's your career mode. And that's the thing that you're known for, that you specialize in. It's almost like it becomes your one-liner, so to speak. Um, and of course, you know, this also brings us back to the discussion of being a generalist versus a specialist. Um, and I've been meaning to read a book about that recently, which if you're listening to this podcast and you kind of keep up with what's newer on the block, you probably have heard of this book called Range. And I've been hearing a lot about it. And it's basically about how um, as humans, like it's good for us to develop range um, and become those kind of generalists, at least that's what I think the book is about, but I haven't actually read it, so I will get to that. But anyway, let's jump into the story um, and kind of the key takeaways from that. And perhaps you can relate, especially if you've ever been in a position where you weren't entirely satisfied or if you've ever had anxiety about going into work or, you know, um, just like fear and all those kinds of emotions that you really shouldn't have about work. Um, but if you've ever found yourself in that kind of position or are in that position right now, I hope this either inspires you to make a change or gives you the strength to continue or whatever it may be. So going back to the beginning, so like I said, this was three years ago and I took up this position as like a part-time internship because I believed that I wanted to go into sales. So I was studying marketing and I thought that in marketing, the niche that I wanted to pursue was sales um, because I really like connecting with people. I was you know, uh, very social or am very social and um, enjoy talking. So I thought maybe this will be a good career for me. So even right off the bat, like getting the position itself, um, it was very weird because at the time I was maybe naive because it was like my first ever um, position or like internship. But, you know, like I got the first interview pretty quickly and then I got the second interview pretty quickly, even though during the interview the first interview they said like oh this is so competitive um you know it'll take this long to find out all of that um and I really didn't see that many people there but I was like okay maybe you know I'm really like really grateful to be invited for this position and I was and um I remember when I was going in um somebody like ran out <laughs> as I was entering and they told me they're like don't go in there this is about selling Xfinity and then they like ran off and I was so confused because I didn't because the job description had said nothing about that the job description was talking about how this is a position for people who want to do event planning and communication and sales and pitching in front of a large group of people and learning um, how to talk in front of a large group of people and all of that um, so when I go in that kind of threw me off but I didn't think anything of it and I remember like during the interview, it was like they 
took me to a park for the interview um, instead of doing it in the building because they said it was noisy. Um, so yeah, and the person that talked to me was, you know, very sweet and she was kind of explaining the position to me, explained everything pretty transparently. And then the manager, um, I had like the second half of the interview of day one with the manager and the manager was the one who was kind of very, I guess, like circumnavigating the truth, you could say, looking back on it. So, um, when I was asking about the event planning, he said the events are, like selling um, and the planning is basically like figuring out what time you're going to show up to the store and who's going to go with you. So it's not really an event. It's more like the, the, the term that they use internally was an event, but it's not an event. It's more like, okay, this person is going to go to Walmart at this time and this person is going to go to Best Buy at this time. That. And as far as like speaking in front of large groups, he said that's just like when you update the team in the morning about what you did. Um, and that's like a team of like, you know, 20 to 30 people. So I was like, okay, but you know, I still wanted to get into sales. I still wanted to learn. Um, and I accepted the position. So then basically what happened is, um, the way it worked. So you had to work six days a week. So the only day you got off was Sundays and it was 13 hours a day. Um, so basically I would get up around 6am. Um, I would try to, and the office was really close to me, so I could just walk to it. Um, and I would try to get there around like 7.30, 8 max. Um, and then I would get home closer to 9, sometimes 9.30 or later. Um, so it was like 13-hour days, six days a week. So it really ended up being like 70 to 80-hour work weeks, which was a lot um, for me, especially because this was my first position. And also, a lot of that 13 hours was on your feet because we were selling um inside walmart best buy and fries and fries is an electronic store uh, for those of you that are not familiar i think it's pretty niche so we were selling xfinity internet which again is like a comcast it's, it's tied to comcast i think it's an internet company that's pretty popular in california and the midwest and yeah so like basically we would kind of convince people to upgrade their packages or like change their packages or sometimes we could offer discounts on their existing package so they could like renew it so all that kinds of stuff. And yeah, most of the day was spent inside the store on your feet. So it was a lot of work. And it was also fully commission-based, which was fine for me because at the time, like I said, I was there to get experience and I wasn't relying on this income to support myself. But for people who were, I did feel bad because if you didn't make a sale, you technically worked 13 hours and got nothing out of it. Um, so definitely the pay structure was, I guess that's kind of, that's pretty normal in sales do sometimes though, that it's fully commission based, but I did feel bad for people that, you know, um, didn't make a sale because not only did they not get paid, but they got yelled at at the end of the day or like snideful comments and all of that. I'm not sure if snideful is a word, snarky, <laughs> snarky comments. And so for me that summer though, um, my goal for the summer was to make 3k like that was my goal at the time is I wanted to have 3k by the end of the summer I don't know what I was saving up for I don't even remember but I remember like in a meeting when we were talking about our goals and stuff someone asked me and I said that um so doing the sales itself I was decent at it like I was able to communicate well with people I was able to close on sales and I was very like a big stickler for being honest right so I didn't want to sell things to a customer if it wasn't actually a better deal for them and i didn't want to upgrade their packages or like um 
secretly have them sign contracts for something that they didn't understand. And I noticed that a lot of my coworkers were doing this because there was like so much pressure to make a certain number of sales a day. Like everyone had to make three sales a day, or if you didn't, we were like really looked down upon. Um, and then, you know, it was, it, it, for some people, it was a, definitely a good thing because the next day they would announce like who had made the most sales or whatever. But if you didn't, it was definitely like you were looked down upon and, um, you know, you had this pressure to like hit a certain number consistently every single day, um, which is again, the way it is in sales, but this led to people taking kind of the backdoor routes to making those sales. So people would, you know, um, try to trick like elderly or people that didn't understand technology or the contracts that they were signing into upgrading stuff or like read it really quickly. So they didn't really understand and like would pay for it. Um, Sometimes people would lie and say like, oh, this is how much it's going to cost, um, like, let's say $50 or whatever, but it was actually 100 and they would just hope that people didn't notice that charge on their credit card. Um, other times, someone actually got fired for signing on the behalf of a customer, so the customer didn't actually sign the contract, and this person to make a sale or something signed on the behalf of the customer. So stuff like that, which, again, like shows you the toxicity of the environment. Um, and for me so i i really tried to be honest right but definitely because of this pressure and stuff like you also had to have like really good customer service right so it's not like after you made the sale you were done because um these are people regular everyday shoppers in walmart best buy fries right so it's like you would stand there and as people would walk by you would stop them or like kind of follow them through the store which i know sounds creepy but like you know just kind of like walk with them throughout the store and ask them questions about their internet and try to like get them to buy your internet. And um, when something went wrong, like if the people didn't show up to install the internet, like the actual company or the electricians to show up to install the internet, or like um, if they found out that they didn't like some part of their package or whatever, you know, these customers would like always call um, you, the sales rep, right? So sometimes I'd get calls at like midnight or 11 p.m. or like 6 a.m. And I was even getting calls like months after I... Um, was done with the position <laughs> so then I would try to redirect them to someone else who was still at the company so that was also a lot of pressure because I felt like I couldn't get away from the position like I couldn't eat breakfast in peace I couldn't like walk to work in peace and at night I couldn't eat dinner in peace or anything because um, it was like always these calls all the time and after you made a sale you had to enter it into the system and it took a while to do all that entry so you know um, sometimes like if you couldn't finish during the day you'd have to take it home and do the entry so then I would be doing all of that entry and updates and stuff after I went home so I was technically working like closer to 14 to 15 hours a day sometimes more so after a few weeks of doing that I had decided that this was taking a really large toll on me um, and I'm gonna get more into like other stuff too and some stories but it was taking a long large toll on me so I asked the manager if I could um, cut it down to four days a week. Um, still the same amount of hours per day, but, you know, four days a week um, instead of six days a week. Um, and he was a little bit reluctant at first, but he agreed, um, which I was thankful for because for other people, he did not agree. So um, I was glad for that. So then I was able to cut down to four days a week, and which really definitely helped. Um, but then it also made me realize, like, the days that I was off, just I felt so peaceful. And then 
when I knew the work was coming up again, like when I knew it was like Sunday, like I had a bad case of the Sunday scaries. I know that's a term that's like on Instagram or Twitter and all of those things like Sunday scaries for like generally, you know, when the weekend's wrapping up. But I had a severe case of the Sunday scaries. Like I actually had a lot of anxiety um, while in this position. Um, so, you know, like I would go to bed around 11 or 12 by the time I was done with all the work, I'd get home done with all the work, extra work I had to do and eat dinner. And then I would have like five or six hours of sleep and I'd be waking up again. And I, I really had such a hard time falling asleep or I'd be scared to go to sleep because I knew that when I went to sleep, when I wake up, I'd have to go into work. I'd have to get ready, walk to this position and go into work. And like that morning walk, I would try to slow it down as much as possible because it felt like those were like the only times that I felt free in a sense um, where I could actually like be peaceful and it's like as soon as I stepped into that building it was like I knew my day was done for like the next 14 to 15 hours I was like trapped in this position and um you know of course like (laughs) listening to this you're probably like okay why didn't you quit and I will get to that um so I remember like and when I would go to go into a store right so like you know we'd be going into these Walmarts um Best Buy's whatever I would take like a lot of bathroom breaks just to like sit and be quiet and like be with myself and a lot of times I break down crying in the bathroom as soon as I arrived like before I even had to talk to anyone or anything just because I had to be there for like you know so long and it's not that the position it's not that talking to people or selling made me anxious at all I was it was more like the pressure of having to make a sale like the pressure of having to be fake or like talk to these people to convince them to buy something Uh, the pressure of having to like go home at the end of the day with like a certain number of sales um and again like some people are really really good at this so i'm sure they didn't feel this way but this is just like from my experience obviously some people were able to meet those targets and go above and beyond and i was still able to meet the targets it's just it brought me a lot of anxiety to do it um and then definitely there were some days where i didn't meet the targets at all because i would spend most of the day crying so i wouldn't actually be selling um so like sometimes you'd go to a store with a partner like a coworker, and sometimes you go by yourself so especially on the days I went by myself I'd just walk around or cry a lot or like sit outside because I couldn't face this position and um yeah it was just like it made me like severely anxious and I remember like also I'm not gonna get too much into this but there was also like some kind of like harassment and stuff on the job like this is from people in the stores um so like you know the strangers that are walking around shopping and stuff so that definitely um added to the situation and then the work culture itself was also pretty toxic because while I was never yelled at um I was definitely like said like I don't know like hurtful things too I'm not hurtful but as in like yeah like kind of like snarky remarks snide comments and stuff but I definitely witnessed people being screamed at, like actually loudly, abusively screamed at, people crying, like people sobbing in the office, you know, um, a lot of churn, like there would be people joining one day and quitting the next or like quitting two days after. Um, And it was very secretive, like they would never say like why this person left or like anything. And also um, like they had this like, it was also misogynistic because they had this requirement that um the girls had to wear heels all the time um you could so people would take them off in the store and like you'd pack we'd pack an extra pair of sneakers to change into because you can't stand 13 hours 
per day, you know, in heels. But at least while we were like in the office or like around the managers and stuff, we had to wear heels, um, which was like so misogynistic in my opinion. And also I remember like uh, from one of my coworkers, um, like she had, she couldn't stand for that long. um, And she was asking like, hey, is it okay if I like, um, you know, cut down on the hours or something like that, like similar to what I had done. And they refused and yelled at her, made her cry and sob and she eventually quit. Um, because they said that she couldn't so she was pregnant and they said that she couldn't quit until she was like eight months pregnant but she was like saying like she was already having a hard time doing it as is so it was a whole thing um but yeah where was I so all this toxic culture all of that but I was still like pushing myself to do it and I remember one day I um was talking to a friend about it and the friend actually sent um, a letter which I was trying to find before recording this and I can't find it um, it was it's like a digital letter um, like more like a memo um, but it was basically about like how I could quit um, it was I was basically like seeking permission to quit or like advice about quitting because I didn't want to leave it not because of the money or because I felt like there was more for me to get out of it because by that point I was five or six weeks in. Um, this was supposed to be a whole summer long position, but I was already dealing with way too much anxiety, way too much crying that I couldn't do it anymore. And I wanted to quit. I desperately wanted to quit, but I didn't want to be a quitter. So this was, and I view things a lot differently now, but like I said, this was three years ago and I felt that if I quit, I would be letting myself down and I would be a quitter and I wanted to finish things. Like I had this like intense conviction that I wanted to see things things through to the end. Um, And like, you know, if I was going to start something, I wanted to see it to completion and um, do my best and give my best effort and stuff. Um, But yeah, like that's why I just had this like cognitive dissonance about quitting. So um, the letter from the friend really helped a lot. And yeah, I had I made up my mind, right? So one day I came home from work and I made up my mind. I decided I'm quitting. So I told that. I told that to my like direct supervisor and then um, like the overall manager. And I remember they, they both called me. They tried to get me to stay. And, you know, I said, they said like, hey, like I wish you'd talk to us before if you'd been feeling this way. Um, they said, do you want to come back in tomorrow and we can retrain you? Someone can go in with you so you don't have to go alone. Um, do you want to like take it easy for a few days? All of these things, right? But I just, I knew that that was like, if I agreed to do that, right? While, while I can't tell myself like, oh, maybe that'll make things better. I just knew that it was a, a matter of a few days before I slipped back into like hating this position and hating everything about it again. Um, so I said no. So this brings me to... Uh, the title of this episode, Money Doesn't Make You Happy, But Being Happy Makes You Money. Now, money was never the reason that I accepted this position to begin with because, like I said, you, there was no base pay. It was fully commission-based. So if I didn't make a sale, if I were just crying in the bathroom all day, I really wasn't earning anything. Um, I, But the reason this quote came up is because I remember in one team meeting, the manager said, um, money doesn't make you happy. So to everybody, he said, money doesn't make you happy, but being happy can make you money and he was trying to say like when you guys are out there doing these sales remember to have a positive attitude remember to be cheery remember to like not give up just because you get a few no's like just keep asking people for the sale and like close the sale all of that right which is that generally a good sales tactic and a good sales attitude right so um 
when I was quitting, <laughs> I remember saying, um, you know, he's like, well, you know, why are you leaving? Like all of this. And I said, um, remember you said money doesn't make you happy, but being happy makes you money. And I'm just not happy here. So I have to leave. And that's what I said. And then I quit. And I kid you not, I think the night that I quit, I felt like more joy than I had ever felt that whole summer. And like, honestly, I still remember that feeling. Like the feeling I got after I quit that night was like so relieving. Like it wasn't, I, I knew I was suffering, but it wasn't until I actually let this position go that I realized like how much I was suffering because after that I felt so at peace, like so unburdened that I went to sleep peacefully for the first time in like a month and a half and I felt so good the next day like the next few days just felt odd like I felt odd in my own self because I didn't have to go and I I wasn't dreading the Monday and I wasn't dreading the next day and I wasn't dreading falling asleep and like I had all this time on my hands to myself and to like do things I enjoyed um and it just felt so amazing and you know I after that I ended up getting a different position that I, I enjoyed a lot more and I ended up staying in that um, like internship position longer than it was actually was supposed to be so I ended up staying for like five months instead of three months so I definitely like put myself on a different course like I I didn't I I had committed to like spending the summer like trying to grow my skills right so just because this didn't work out I didn't want to give up on the idea of growing my skills altogether I just found like a different way to do it um, so it did end up turning out for the better and the, the doing the sales job definitely taught me a lot of skills like one it taught me a lot of respect for people that do sales so like you know like sales callers or like people that do sales in a store like I did um, it definitely taught me that and like also like being resilient and um, just like the past isn't to kick the future as in like the first no or like the first 10 no's don't really determine if the next one's going to be a yes or a no it's like <laughs> um it's like independent probabilities, if that makes sense. Um, and I think sometimes in like life, if you're like getting up and failing all over and over again, or like in anything you're doing, um, it's very easy to think that just because it failed before, it'll fail again. But we have to remember that some some of these things are completely independent, um, and everything everything has its like own fresh start. So I kind of look at it like that in terms of like a new customer. Like the new customer doesn't know that the last person. Um, like rejected your offer like didn't buy right so something like that um and yeah I was also going to say like the position it taught me well it taught me that also that it's okay to quit and that's actually I know as bizarre as it may sound like maybe it's something that people struggle with too at at that point I really didn't let myself quit things um and now I'm like much more open to it and like much more flexible and I see that there's like a grander scheme to stuff and you know if something's like not satisfactory to you you don't have to stick it out just with brute force um but I did at the time think that right so um all of those things and yeah like even just dealing with that toxicity and you know harassment all of that like um while it was definitely not enjoyable by any means and I still think about it sometimes and it's just horrible and horrific um I think that like I'm really proud of myself for like going through that like situation um so sometimes like now when I talk to people that are um in IB or like in investment 
well, in IB, I don't know why I was going to say investment banking. I meant um, in PE, like private equity or anything like that, or just like in finance. Um, um, I know that they have, they work really long hours, like 80 plus um, hour weeks, 100 plus hour weeks, which is just crazy, right? Like it's, it's a lot on the human body. Um, and I'm always like so shocked. But then recently I was reflecting like, hey, I actually did manage to do that for a couple of weeks um, before I, you know, went down to four hours. Um, and yeah, I, I would never, ever do that again. Um, but it was just like a reminder of like, that I was able to put myself through that. Um, and so if I had to, again, I could, but also a reminder that like, that's not the type of lifestyle I want or like the type of work life balance that I'm seeking, um, which is really important to know. And I also figured out that I, that sales is not what I want. Right. So like, even if I had a different position where, it was not those kind of hours and it wasn't that kind of toxic environment. I just, I just determined that sales is like not my thing. Um, and I know a lot of people are really, really good at it and it's awesome and definitely companies need salespeople, but yeah, I determined that that was not my path, which helped me figure out like everything else that I did after and like to figure out how I'm going to use my, you know, marketing education and all of that. So yeah, that was kind of my story. And I think one more detail I forgot to mention, um, actually i just remembered um so after i quit even months after like even a year after every time we drive by like the places that i would have to work at like um the walmart locations or like the particular exit um the particular highway i would have this like fear in my chest like my heart would start beating faster and i would have this fear like even after i had quit right because it would just like go back to that time where i felt so anxious as like we were about to take the exit to go to the Walmart. We were about to, we were approaching like, you know, um, because, you know, we'd have to go from the office to the stores. And sometimes those car rides were like my five minutes of peace or like 20 minutes of peace. And um, so anytime after that, when we would drive by these places like me with my family, I would still feel that same fear. So now I don't anymore, but it definitely continued for like a year after. So yeah, um, now that I look back on it, it's kind of weird that it impacted me that much. Not weird, but like I'm surprised that it impacted me that much. But I guess that's a testament to like how terrible I felt while in the position. So yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up. So this is just a reminder that if you are struggling through something similar right now where you're like really unhappy in your job or um, you just feel like you're not on the path that you actually want to be on, it's okay to redirect yourself and you can still learn the same things and get the same skills elsewhere. And, you know, if you're not in a position to quit, that totally makes sense. Um, but remember that it's okay to start making a plan to do so. So um, to look for a different career path or to look for other opportunities or to like give yourself the permission to like save up and then quit or change career paths or like openly express what you're going through. Um, if you're able to communicate that with your manager or like teammates, um, because if you're spending a lot, like a lot of our hours and days we spend working, that's kind of like American culture. Um, and it's really important that what you're doing actually makes you happy. And it, I mean, ideally it brings you joy, but even if it's not bringing you joy, it shouldn't make you miserable and anxious and terrified. Um, so yeah, that is the light bulb moment podcast for today i hope you enjoyed and i'll talk to you next time 
Want to get a workbook detailing steps you can take for your business today, as well as our top recommendations for entrepreneurs? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, take a screenshot, and email it to contact at thinkida.com. Thank you for listening to the Lightbulb Moment Podcast. We'll see you here next time.